Hey, Google, play In the Marbles with Soda and Ethan. All right, playing the latest episode of In the Marbles with Soda and Ethan. Spinning out of control, here we go Foot to the pedal, till it's touching the metal Let's rock and roll, yeah So anything, get them tigers to screech and I beat them Check your flags, last lap, nobody can beat them It's just that it's a party, put it on in the carpool And hear us talk a lot of NASCAR in the audio Singing loud, we don't just want it out of mode We're getting dirty around here, yeah We're in the marbles we're in the marbles uh, We're in the marbles We're in the marbles Hey everybody, welcome to In the Marbles with Soda and Ethan. My name is Soda. You can find me on Twitter at Soda underscore Hunter. And my name is Ethan. You can find me on Twitter at Viva La Ethan. And this is episode 14. Give me a driver. That has run number 14. The man, the myth, the legend, Casey Atwood. <laughs> what? What did I say? Casey Atwood. When did Casey Atwood drive the 14? I don't remember. Uh the the serious serious XM blue. Was that 14? Ray Ever. Oh. Didn't we just oh, do wait, that? Wait, 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 wait. Oh no. I thought it was a seven. Oh, that was a seven. Why? Was, what was <laughs> I thinking? Wait a minute. No, well, he drove. We can it. talk about him again when we get to number twenty-seven. That really you was just, the number seven, wasn't it? Yeah, you just want to talk about Casey Atwood. Wait, he drove. He drove a fourteen car. That's my Coke Zero, by the way. No, it's uh, that's my my <laughs> rowdy energy. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> It's just, it's too bad Denny Hamlin has to drive the Coke car. Mm. Yeah. That was I'm a pretty car. That was a really pretty car. Okay, hang on. I'm still speechless over this. I really don't know why I thought that was the 14 car. Um, let me go AJ Foyt. I can Foyt. give you one. AJ Foyt, all-time. Yeah. All time. One of the first ones I remember was uh, Steve Park came in before he jumped in the one car. He was in the Burger King 14 car. Oh. Yeah, late 90. I think it was 96. Somewhere in there, 96, 97. Yeah, it was a black with a uh, with orange hood and flames coming down the side of it. I think it said Whopper on the side. Oh, man. <laughs> you don't remember the Burger King State Park car? I do not, actually, no. Yeah, it was him jumping out of uh, the three car, the three Ace Delco car from the Xfinity into, or Bush back then, oh. into Cup. Oh. I think it was a, I want to say it was a DEI car, but I don't know. I don't know who filled that 14, but it wasn't a full full-time thing. It was like a half season thing, but obviously Tony Stewart. Yeah, Tony I mean, Stewart. Obviously, he's the big fourteen. He's running fourteen right now in SRX. Yeah, which I got his autograph on NASCAR Heat Five. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. <clears throat> My kids, uh, they took the game in their their room back there, and they were playing it the other day. And then I started looking on the front. I was like, where's my game? Um, uh. where's my game? <laughs> <laughs> so they were back there playing it and they had the case up on the TV stand. It's like, guys, you can play the game. Be careful with this case. <laughs> yeah, no joke. <laughs> it's autographed now. One of my favorite drivers. It's special. <laughs> it's, it's like well, it's like the Bill Elliott one. I can never play that one again. If I ever play it again, it's a Nintendo cartridge, you know, and right where he signs it is where you put it into where it, like it has the friction on it when you put it in the console. Oh, it's not going to be that bad. I'm never going to play it again. <laughs> it's never going to be played. It is just a piece on a shelf now. It is no longer a Nintendo game. Wow. If I'm going to ever play it again, I am going to get an empty blank cartridge and I am going to unscrew that game and take the actual meat of it out like the circuit board. Oh, and I'm gonna put it in a blank cartridge and I'll play it that way. Would it be worth it at that point? No, I'll just buy no. another copy of it for five <laughs> bucks online. It's not that expensive of a game. Sounds way easier that way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> Dude, I'm so happy I got those. You have no idea. 
Oh, I know. Yeah, for sure. This episode is I don't know. Let's go. Let's go kayfabe with it. All right. So we're recording while I'm at Disney World. Man, it's fun. Mm. There's so much happening over here. Yeah. We record on Monday nights, right? Usually. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I just got done with Star Wars Land and Galaxy's Edge. We went on Tower of Terror. Man, what a ride! I didn't think I'd like it. Yeah. My wife taught me into going. I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> Tower of Terror is a drop ride. You. Uh, oh. It's a it's like a Twilight Zone kind of ride, but you you get in an elevator. And it's this tower, this hotel has been struck by lightning, so half of it's missing, and it's all haunted and stuff. And oh. it drops you. The elevator drops you and pulls you up and drops you and pulls you up and drops you over and over and over. That sounds horrendous. Yeah, it is. It, it ha I've never been on it because oh. I don't like drop rides, but my wife has been on it, and now my oldest son has been on it, so I can't not go on it now. Step up, Dad. I guess so. <laughs> but, yeah, Hollywood Studios and tomorrow is going to be our – Animal Kingdom Day, probably my favorite park. Gonna write Flight of Passage. By the time this comes out, we've already been to Epcot and mm. Magic Kingdom. No kids, just the adults. Mm. Be fun. I can't wait. I mean, it was fun. It was so much fun. Oh yeah, man. I, I've just been holding it down over here in Kansas, <laughs> selling cars and stuff. So <laughs> you're fine, man. Everything is a okay over here. And man, what about that Loudon race? Mm. Jeez, did man, you? I, I could bet you there ever was something to talk about? Mm. So much to talk about. We'll have, we'll have to wait till next week so we can cram it Man. all in. Really get the excitement with the Pocono coming out and, too. Mm. Yeah, of course. And it's just because of, you know we already promised our listeners that we would make this a, a question episode. So you know, <laughs> I have to put our excitement about Loudon on on ice for a second. Yeah, this this ain't about Loudon. This ain't about that flat racetrack. It's yeah. We'll talk about that next week. We'll double up next week and we'll we'll throw the other flat racetrack in there too. The big triangle. The tricky yes. triangle ain't nothing tricky about that place. They'll probably have to shift seventeen times a lap now Man. with the five speed. Are you are you okay? What? Are you <laughs> just the last couple of weeks, man? Like just you're right. I might still be a little hyped up for Atlanta. I'm not gonna lie. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> it I... seems like it just happened yesterday. I like but it I know it's been a week and a half now, so it's crazy how time works like I that. I know. It seems like it literally just happened yesterday. And Jeez. Man, I was I was happy in a way to see Denley Hamlin's car crumple up like this Coke Zero can. Mm. Man, too soon. He's, you know, that was a really cool paint scheme. It was an awesome paint scheme. And I said yeah. before the race started, I actually said this to my wife before the race started. I think I'd like to buy that diecast. It looks so good. Ah. <laughs> you know what I'm not gonna do now. <laughs> Man, did you even buy Ch uh, Chastain's win diecast? I don't usually buy the 124 scales oh if usually i'll just i just get the 164 i've never really collected 124 scales. i got like six or seven total oh okay yeah I, it, it just, I don't know soda i think you need to i think you need to buy at least this first one i'm definitely going to go to his trailer when i go to talladega mm. and i'm gonna get something but i can't they don't have they then, don't no have they cast. probably don't have they have the little ones but they probably don't have I I think you, I think they would now. I think they would have some diecast. Um, they, Chastain might actually, yeah, well, probably, especially the the winners and the popular guys. Well, I mean, but not like a raced version. Like that's what that's the whole point of it. Like you really need to like get his first win, raced version, elite one twenty four scale diecast. Those things are like eighty bucks. No, they're not. They're 117. Oh my god! No, I forget that. <laughs> what are you talking? Dude, Ooh, only 80 bucks. I wish. <laughs> by now, the San Diego Comic Con exclusive uh, action figure from Mattel Wrestling mm. is going to be announced and probably already sold. Yeah, because I, yeah, it's going to be sold already. Because when this did comes you see out, it coming? Did you see that coming? I, I did. Absolutely, absolutely, I did. Yeah, I did too. I mean, yeah. I, we called it from the start, but nobody listens. Well, to I said it on Twitter. Yeah. Well, I mean, I said two things. I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> well, I said <laughs> on Twitter that it was going to be the Greg Hammer Valentine Rhythm mm. and Blues oh. Hasbro style packaging with the Ultimate because they did an LJN style with Slaughter. I thought what would be really cool is if they did a Hasbro style packaging with an Ultimate greg valentine rhythm and blues what an awesome idea just printing mm. money with that yeah you but, know what 
like really fast. Huh? Do you know who I think is going to be the SDCC? Oh, uh, we're Mattel? so yeah, we're so. This has been recorded. I'm not going to edit this. We're going to look really stupid. Go. <laughs> okay, <laughs> my guess is going to be the SDCC and Mattel like r- exclusive, and Kyle Bush <laughs> Elite, including gray sweatshirt and a 24 7 champion he could have at least wore a uniform i wish he would have i mean oh man he could have you know how scott tune is so like over the moon about gog gobbly gooker <laughs> like let me tell you we we got a rob what's his name gronkowski yeah rob gronkowski yeah yeah big whatever whatever his name is why can't we get a kyle bush <laughs> elite Mattel. that would be funny that would oh, be absolutely how? funny i would buy it i'm not gonna lie oh i would too i'd buy eight i would <laughs> literally buy every single one of them i don't even care get kyle bush to autograph it oh that thing would go in the would go in my coffin with me <laughs> like, that would be like the hannah montana best of both worlds like you have no idea how much that would mean to me <laughs> um all seriousness i there's a rumor going around that it's gonna be uh a rip Zeus two pack from No Holds Barred Ultimate. I don't know what any of that means. No Holds Barred, the movie with Hulk Hogan way back in the eighties. No, nah, I don't think I ever saw it. Uh, well, him and Zeus, uh, Tiny Lister is his name. The actor oh. Jax did a Zeus in the classic classic line. I don't think they did a rip. Hmm. I think this would be the first rip because that was a character Hulk Hogan played. His wrestler named Rip. Yeah, and. I feel like that's going to be it. It sounds right. It's kind of mainstream. It's got a big name and a first time ever in the line name and another kind of first. If you technically, it's not a Hulk Hogan. It's a rip. Yeah. And their ultimates. I kind of feel like that's it. But see, that's going to be half the price of a dang die cast. Mm-hmm. I'm much more willing to pay for that than I am $120 for a die cast car. Oh my gosh. Right, but like before we shift gears off the whole like Mattel thing, man, really fast, um, we had no idea. We, I'm just gonna say this right now. Um, how cool is it that the the figure forbidden door yeah. has been opened? Yeah, that is really how, cool. Did you did you catch that interview? I did. Man, how awesome! I I had to shut it off real quick when my my kids were in the room with me. All of a sudden, when Matt likes to drop f-bombs but you know i mean it wasn't advertised as family friendly but fully posable is usually semi-family friendly so i just assumed that this probably would be wrong too but i was wrong but no it was a good and interesting interview when it comes down to all the little technical things i had to go through with those figures right personally um i'm i think it's so awesome like okay just me personally like when (laughs) when they accidentally slip up and they drop an f-bomb or like you know the S bomb or whatever. I think it's so funny just because it's like it's kind of not you know like we're not used to that. And then you like listen to drunk wrestling history and like Scott's like a completely Scott is now squat <laughs> and I love it so much. Um, yeah, for sure, dude. Yeah, it was a good show. I, I enjoyed that. Um, I'm glad everybody's kind of back on the same page again. It's just it's messy. The whole thing yeah, and I'm really messy. happy. I'm really happy because I really wanted that Matt Cardona um, Super Seven mm-hmm. figure. Like, I don't have any interest in him as like a as a professional wrestler or whatever. He's never really been my favorite until he got fired, and he's been doing this uh, indie scene uh, thing. So I'm all for it, and I, if I can somehow scrounge up the change to get that Super Seven. Uh, Matt Cardona, I would totally will. 75 bucks. Man. Yeah, I'll be hurting. <laughs> That's rough. I don't think, I don't remember the last time I paid. Definitely not for anything new. It had to have been something. It had to have been like an old Jax Classics or something. But that's the thing, like my diecast cars, I'm super into the 124 scales, and like those are $117 a piece. That's and at one point I, get I had like what? 164 scale. 10 bucks. Yeah. I mean, I get those too, but. <laughs> I mean, ten bucks—that's the most you'll ever pay for them, unless you buy them aftermarket. Yeah, that's that's the only way I can do it. 
Uh, I understand that. I always collected 164 scale when I was a kid just because I always played with Hot Wheels and stuff. And, you know, 164 scale were easy to hang on my wall. I had a wall covered in racing champions. Oh, yeah. There you go. I mean, it was top to bottom racing champions. Like my bed was pushed up against the wall. If I rolled too far to the wall, I would have rolled into uh, Steve Grissom or whoever it was down there. Right. <laughs> Steve Grissom. <laughs> the old 31 channel lock car oh my hey keep Ooh. keep an eye on twitter the in the marbles twitter feed keep an eye on that i keep i always try to post something interesting when it comes to classic nascar yeah and like two a week and a half ago when i posted on twitter last i i just i did a um domino's pizza sponsorship with michael Walter. yeah and I didn't realize that they actually sponsored him in like 87 too. So you had a 1987 number 30 Domino's pizza car and you had a 2006 number 55 Domino's pizza car. Both Michael Waltrip. Isn't that hmm. interesting? I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know they sponsored him almost 20 years apart. I did not know that either. See, you learn something every day when you follow in the marbles at in the marbles pod on Twitter. So today since we're not going to review the amazing weekend of Loud. Oh, just the amazing weekend. We have three questions. Three. Okay. I hate that we only have three, but I feel like we can always just, I mean, we're going to talk. Oh, yeah, we are. So it ain't like we're going to talk about. So yeah. all of these are from Tales from the State. Tales. Caitlin has the first one here. Okay. And I don't know what these questions are. Again, I completely forgot. Well, we're going to turn Caitlin's question upside down a little bit. Oh, okay. She asked, what has been your favorite sponsor of a car of all time? Speaking of Domino's, right? We're not going to do that question. We're going to do one better. Give me your top five favorite NASCAR sponsors of all time. Oh, boom. Just for Tales of the New State. That's awesome. You want to go first or you want me? Uh, Napa, Coca-Cola, Kyle Busch's 911 tribute, red, white, and blue car. They didn't have a sponsor. That wasn't sponsored. What are you talking about? That it it was, wasn't. It was all one wrap. Oh, it? it wasn't. I th- I thought Eminem sponsored it. Are you sure that was Kyle Busch 911 no. car? Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think it just all it said was okay. Never mind. Okay, take that one back. <laughs> okay. Paint jobs are different. Yeah, I know. I think I got a little. I mean, distracted. M and M's could be one of your favorite sponsors of all time. No, well, yeah, because they they've oh. been there forever and they got such good good schemes. Okay, it's not my number one. Mm-hmm. Okay, what did I already say? Um, Napa. You said Napa, and you think you said Coca Cola. Coke, yeah. Okay, Coca Cola. Uh, we'll say M and M's, Hooters, mm-hmm. and my all time favorite, which I actually said last week on the show, Interstate Batteries. Okay. So, two out of five Cowboy sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Napa, show me, tell me a driver that you associate with Napa the most. Uh, Michael Waltrip. Okay. Yep. 2001 Daytona 500 is iconic. Yeah. What about Coca-Cola? Um, who drove that? I know Bobby Allison drove a Coca-Cola car for a long time. Oh, no, it was Dale Earnhardt. Dale Earnhardt drove the three. Yeah, the 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 Japan Coca-Cola. Um, so that's not what I'm thinking of. I'm actually thinking, I think it was the 80s. He drove number two, um, Coca-Cola. Oh, my Red gosh. Yeah, that's not very long. Yeah. Because he even had a blue and yellow car in the number two. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, he did drive that Coke. I remember that now. Yeah. Because I had the die cast. Yeah. I don't have it now, but that's obscure. Um, Good job on that. Yeah. Thanks, man. I love that. I love that race car. All right. So the M&Ms and Interstate Batteries, obviously, you're going to, yeah. you're going to lean towards Kyle Bush with that. Hooters. For sure. Um, uh, Alan Kowicki. Yeah. It's got to be, right? Yeah. Even of over Chase Elliott or. Oh, why? <laughs> Good lord. My favorite cars he drives, Chase Elliott, is the Hooters cars. Oh, absolutely. Especially in October. But there's only one Hooters driver to me, and that's Alan Kowicki. 
over always yeah Loy Allen, um, Brett Bodine, whoever else drove it. I think yeah. it was a twenty seven Hooters car at one point. I forget who drove that. Over all those people. And it's it's always Alan Kawicki because he was the first and best. Oh, for sure. I mean to me Hands he was down. the best, but what I'm old school. All right, let me give my my top five favorite NASCAR sponsors. And I'm going to yes. go specifically on cars, not necessarily like, you know, series sponsors or right. promotional things like a Coca-Cola racing family or something like that. You know, I've always liked Miller Genuine Draft on cars more than the Miller Lite, way more than the Miller Lite. I always liked the black and gold much better than the blue and white. Mm. Um even when they got colorful in like 96 and they were silver into it in 96. Also, I still like the black and gold Miller genuine drive cars. Just yeah. something about it, even more in high life. And that's like a classic sponsor too, with Bobby Allison and, um, Davey Allison too. I think he was sponsored by Miller high life in Arco number 23. I think that's right. Uh, Texaco. Ooh, that is such a vintage, iconic NASCAR sponsorship. Yeah. The whole hood glowing red on that black car with the yellow stripe around the bottom. Mm-hmm. Just simple and just, I don't know, something about it. And honestly, that's the best paint job they have. But I like Texaco as a sponsor. Like any car I create on video games has text and Texco is an option. I'll put Texco all over that car. Right. It's hard for me not to throw STP in there. Right. Right. Just because it's been there for so long and it's so iconic. Mm -hmm. That's another one. I always throw on my car. It's STP. Let me see. I got two more spam. No, I'm not even joking, man. That is so funny. That is so funny. Spam. Yes. Soda. What? Lake speed and the blue number nine. No spam car. Oh my gosh. No, I didn't even know what spam was until NASCAR. I know I was literally the exact same way, but like, I don't even care how cool it could be. It is absolutely iconic. It is the best marketed sponsor because I would go through the, the, the grocery store aisles and I would see that little can of spam with the race car on the side. of it. It was like, (laughs) Oh yeah, that's the car. I have no, no, I have no, want whatsoever for spam but i want to buy that can of spam because i know that car oh could you imagine if your mom actually like let you i've never had spam in my entire life uh-uh. no it's not weird because it's normal well, i haven't i haven't either i heard i heard fried spam is pretty good i've just never had it That's, i'll let you try it because i'm gonna take a back seat to that one pal i think it's carb free i think it's keto it's spam keto i gotta look that up later might be making some keto spam sandwiches. If if I was worried about any of that, I would just eat the spam because whether it's keto friendly or not, I'm gonna be thrown up. I got one more. Um, <laughs> let me see. Let me see. Let me see. I'm trying to think of a good one that I always love seeing on the side of cars. Hmm. Dupont. No, never. Huh. And it's not good wrench either. Favorite sponsors. Oh. It's not. Favorite sponsors does not lend itself to me to make like it doesn't. I don't associate the favorite my favorite sponsor necessarily all the time with the driver mm-hmm. because I think Spam is just a hilarious sponsor and it's one of my all time favorites. But I don't care about Lake Speed, you know. And there's been plenty of Texaco yeah. cars that I don't care about those drivers. Yeah, really, there's only been maybe three drivers total in Texaco that I actually like. What Jamie Mac? One of them, right? No. Come on, he's a homeboy. There's the other one. There's the other one. Coors. Oh, yeah. That's, that's it. Thank you for that. You you sparked that. Yeah. Coors. Well, Jamie Coors Matt, has the probably the prettiest car. Oh, in absolutely. all of NASCAR history to me. Silver bullet. That's the true silver bullet, in my opinion. That sparkling, uh, sparkling silver. Not even just yeah. shiny. It isn't like chrome or silver paint. It's like a sparkling. It's like it's like a bass boat kind of. So, sparkle. I'm guessing we're both imagining uh, Sterling Mar- uh, Marlin right now, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, man, that's that race car was so pretty. 
And I always like Coors anyway with their other cars too, because I mean, he, they, they sponsor Bill Elliott and that was an excellent car. I mean, an iconic car. And then they made it blue and it was like, well, it's, it's not as good as the red was, but red and gold. I always like that combo personally. I liked the silver version of the Kyle Petty car before it went to all just blue and pink. Mm -hmm. And then they got weird and got ugly cars with like this weird yellow <laughs> color on them. You know what yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Ugly. Just, yeah. just the worst looking cars on the racetrack. Well, but I'm then like, it's, they it's totally redeemed themselves and made that silver bullet mm -hmm. and had that fluorescent pinkish orange. I don't even know what color that was. Yeah. That fluorescent day glow orange pink number on the side of it with the line and the mountains on the bottom. Man. Majestic. It's just. I, if I'm going to buy a 124 scale elite or a premium or whatever it is diecast they had back then in 2000 and 2001, mm. I guess it's 2001 when that debuted, yeah. that would be one I buy because I would want that metallic flake paint with that fluorescent number. I would buy one of those because yeah. I bet I wouldn't have to pay $125 for it either. I had a uh, race version Jamie McMurray first win cup car. Did it, did it show up that like really yeah. well, like a metallic paint? Oh yeah, man. Yeah, it's awesome. Probably, probably be the best paint scheme in all of NASCAR history. Honestly, mm, it's close. Yeah, it is, if it's, if yeah. it's not your top, and that's always debatable because a lot of things will add into that. Did you like the driver? Yeah. That'll that'll weigh into it a little bit. Did you like oh, the team? Sure, Did yeah. you like the numbers? Did you like whatever? You know. Yeah. A lot of people say, "Well, no, Dale Earnhardt has the most iconic paint scheme." Okay, sure, whatever. It's not as pretty as that forty car. You know, yeah. Rainbow Warriors, that was the best car. No, it's not as pretty as that 40 car. I'm sorry. Mm. It's got a lot of colors, but it ain't as pretty as that 40 car. Sterling Marlin. From Drew. Drew. What moment in NASCAR was the scariest for you? Ryan Newman, 2020, day 2500. In all of NASCAR? Right off the top. Huh? In all of NASCAR. That was the moment yeah. that scared you the most when it happened? Yeah. I almost was there to see that. I know. I don't I, I don't know what the mood would have been leaving that track because I've mm. never been at a track where we had a mood like that. Yeah. Where are you leaving not knowing that somebody's okay? I've never right. been to a racetrack like that. I can't imagine the mood. I have two off the top of my head. And one was, well, see, nobody was scared about the Dale Earnhardt thing because that was just, nothing looked bad about it. Right. It was just something that he walked away from he walked away from things that were 10 times worse looking than that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Now let's go down a rabbit hole, man. Give me a, uh, that was the scariest moment for you. Give me another real scary one that, that kind of, kind of made you think a couple of times when it was going on or think about afterwards. Uh, let's see. Ryan Newman, you know, Daytona 500. That's probably the one that's fresh on my mind. Um, Steve Park and Dale Jr. flipping at Pocono. Oh, yeah. That was, speaking of Pocono coming up, that's one of the most iconic moments of that track. Mm -hmm. uh, Rusty Wallace flipping down uh, Talladega. My grandparents were there for that race. Oh, God. That, that was, was their brutal. very first race. They were actually sitting in the front stretch, like right there at that flip. Wow. But it started raining. If you go back and watch the race, it started raining with 10 laps to go. And mm -hmm. they said, well, they're not going to get this started. Dale Earnhardt won. So they went back to the car right when they were getting the green flag. They turned the radio on. Oh, no. So they didn't get to see the end of the race. Oh, no. Ernie Irvin wound up winning the race, and Earnhardt wrecked Rusty Wallace and flipped him through the air 15 times or however much it was. Violent, nasty flip. That's Earnhardt for you. <laughs> he, dude, what else can you say? He wrecked him. <laughs> Who spun him out and sent Rusty Wallace through the air. I mean, yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> what can that's, you say? I mean, yeah, that's but exactly what happened. Let's cheer him. Ross Chastain can't drive, though. Evil. Ross Chastain's evil. You know, the reason I laugh about this is, like, I've already had this metamorphosis, you know, a long time ago. So, like, 2007, everybody was, like, kind of okay with Kyle Busch. Like, he was... The way people cheer Alex Bowman today is the way people cheer Kyle Busch in 2007, right? Um, and then the next year, he just started winning, 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 and everybody just dumped on him. He was the most 
you know, oh, they were making fun of how he was, how he looked, and you know, like calling him like Pee Wee Herman and stuff, just because like Kyle went out and just like dominated. Have you seen that uh, that cartoon with Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano as Beavis and Butthead? Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> That is the funniest thing because it it wasn't a whole lot going on to change that to make them look like that. Brad especially looking like Butthead. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I gotta find that. I gotta find that now and put it on the uh, picture for this episode. Oh, please do that. (laughs) That is the funniest jump. Oh, what am I doing laughing? This is a serious topic. What what scared me? About NASCAR, what what happened? Uh, Michael McDowell. Oh yeah. Were you Texas. were you watching that when it happened? Um, I was in school. Actually, I, I was watching it. I thought that dude died. Yeah. It look this up. I'm begging you if you're watching. This is probably the worst. Honestly, this is probably the worst wreck in NASCAR history that nobody. He wasn't even barely hurt at all. Like he wasn't hurt. At all. There was no. nothing wrong with him after this. This was the yeah. worst crash in NASCAR history to me where he wasn't hurt at all. That like, not even uh, a scratch. I I remember that day actually really well. Um, I was in school. I will honestly say I was in middle school, and it was a Friday, and my dad picked me up from school, and I guess it had just started, like or he was walking out the door to come pick me up when he happened to look over, see the wreck. So he stopped and he was like, oh, so then he had to come pick me up. And he was like, (laughs) in the car, he was like, Ethan, uh." you know, he's like trying to prep me up. He was like, "Uh, there was a really bad wreck on, you know, qualifying today. And I was just like, okay. You know, and then I saw it and I was like, oh, shoot. It was nasty. It stopped that entire racetrack. Yeah. Because to set the stage for this wreck, and you can look it up on YouTube, Michael McDowell, Texas. That's all you have to do. Texas yeah. Michael. That'll probably just pop up. Yeah. There if you can't want to spell Michael McDowell, but he's driving a double zero Aaron's car. He's all by himself on the racetrack and everybody's watching him because <laughs> it's qualifying. Everybody right. is watching him. So the whole world saw nothing but this. Yeah. And he goes into turn one, gets a little bit loose, corrects it to the right. Well, it hooked. It grabbed the racetrack. And when it did, he hit the wall head on turn one wide open probably 180 miles an hour, 85 miles an hour, something like that. Yeah. And he barrel rolled all the way through the corner, down the corner, and landed on all four wheels on the apron. It was the worst and most vicious hit. The single hit alone. The hit itself was the most vicious thing I've ever seen in my entire life. It was was horrific. Still is. Everybody stopped. I mean, they didn't. The, I, th- I don't even think the commentator said anything while he was wrecking. Like Daryl was yeah. like, "Oh no, oh no, oh no!" And then he hits it head on like that, and it's just yeah. Go back and watch that. Like literally, um, that's exactly what happened. Like Daryl Waltrip was like, "Oh no, 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 no!" And then like as soon as he made contact, it was like all the fans just like gasped, and the, then like the commentator, the drivers just said too, nothing. the drivers are all sitting there like just watching, watching yeah. the screen. They, they, nobody's moving. It completely yeah. stopped everything because you thought, oh, he's dead. Yeah. He, we just, you know, saw somebody die. And it, it ain't five seconds after he stops, the window nets down. And everybody just roars in applause when he gets out of that car yeah. because, and that's when they, they touted the uh, safety of the new car because that was the new mm-hmm. car, the car of tomorrow kind of thing where they had the special chassis built and all these safety features and all the safe walls and the head and neck restraints that came in. If Earnhardt died from his crash, yeah, Michael McDowell would have died ten years before that. Oh, not even, not even a question. I mean, seven years before that, because that happened in '06, yeah. I think '06 or '07, maybe '08, somewhere in there. So maybe about eight years before that, Michael McDowell would be dead right now. Oh yeah, just insane crash. I I in- encourage anybody being, to look it up. Right, instead of being dead, he is a. Daytona 500 winner. Solid pick any week, too. Yeah. That we won't pick for some reason. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even pick him for Loudon. I don't even know yeah. if he does anything on flat tracks. I, he might. I forgot who I picked. I'll remind you, I'm sure. Okay. Uh, Harvick. Okay. Harvick, yeah, that's right. Oh, that was a week oh. ago, man. Gosh. 
I know. Well, that's why and I we're can't not remember. picking this episode. I don't feel like it. Well, I don't either. <laughs> not after that week. Well, well, not perfect. <laughs> watch him come back and he won the race. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, just watch him win the race now. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, goodness. Um, another scary moment for me. See, a lot of them, because of when you watch it, like when you're a kid, you don't really see the scariness of it. You see like the, you're kind of like in awe of it. Right. You know, like when Rusty Wallace flipped at Daytona in 93, that, that was wild. I mean, he was flipping wait, wait, all wait. over the place. Daytona, because he did both. He did Daytona and oh, Talladega. Okay, that, okay. Year. Nah, I was, that was a wild that? flip. He was going all over the place. Right. And Talladega looked a lot worse and it was worse. He actually did break bones and stuff at Talladega. Mm. But Davey Allison in 92, when he flipped, that was nasty. When Daryl Waltrip spun him out on the back stretch at Pocono of all places, one another yeah. great iconic Pocono moment. Yeah. That one scared me as a kid because, I mean, dang, the wheel flew off at one point and went way down the track. And uh, he landed really close to a bunch of trucks in the infield yeah. and he rolled on top of a guardrail. So I didn't know if any of that was stabbing into the car as it was rolling. It was scary. And I, he had a lot of injuries from that. He actually couldn't finish the next race. He started it to get his points, but he couldn't finish the next race because of that. I think the, the driver right. that would replace him, was it Lake Speed? I don't remember who, Bobby Hillen or Lake Speed? Probably Bobby Hillen. He replaced yeah. a lot of drivers back then. I think he wound up finishing in the top five with that car uh, the next week at Talladega. Yeah. So another thing that really scared me when I was a kid. Um, trying to think if there's any more when you saw it, you just stopped. Yeah. The Newman thing when, when that, Oh, Oh yeah. I got one. Austin Dillon's Daytona wreck. Oh yeah. That was gnarly. It was about as massive a reaction as the Michael McDowell one. Yeah. Because he flipped from the bottom lane to the catch fence over like four cars and when he hit the catch fence, he stopped from right. 100 and whatever miles an hour he was going at the time and stopped. And I don't think anything came out of the catch fence as far as like fan injuries and stuff. But that um, car, I, I know Kyle Larson had one that really hurt some fans. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, about Kyle that. Larson had a wheel fly onto the stands and hurt somebody in that Xfinity race. Mm -hmm. But that was scary. But I also... I don't remember it stopping me in my tracks because it wasn't really apparent that all that crap happened in the stands when it happened. Right. It was an after the right. fact thing. And Kyle Larson jumped out of the car. Right. Austin Dillon's car. Everybody kept wrecking on down the track, but his car stopped in the catch fence and fell to the track upside down. And here comes Brad Keselowski spinning out all by himself and he rams into him. My goodness gracious. Like, and everybody's screaming in horror in the grandstands yeah. when that happens you watch go back and go on youtube and watch some home videos of that oh yeah absolutely insane and all of pit road it seems like two or three crews from all over the all over the map over there run as fast as they can uh to that car as it's spinning around upside down to try to make sure he's okay and they jump out and they give thumbs up that whole crowd acted like kyle or um austin dylan just awesome, won that man. race yeah if stand. you if you ever wanted if you're ever curious enough to to uh, like Google um, uh, race car you know disintegrating go watch <laughs> that video there was nothing left but the shell he was in yeah for sure uh, Dale Jr's audio when he won that race too he was he was watching yeah. the whole thing in his mirror he saw that and that car go up in the cash fence uh, he didn't say like. Like, woo, good job, guys. Good job. Good win. And he wasn't excited. He saw that. He said, Oh my God. Yeah. Cause he said later, it's like, I knew, you know, I just saw that guy die in the mirror. Yeah. And whoo, man, you talking about a nasty wreck. Him and Michael McDowell had like two of the nastiest modern wrecks ever. For sure. But yeah, moments that scared you. That's uh mm, that's a topic. <laughs> a heck of a it question. really is. Yeah. Now the next one, let's lighten it up. Also from Drew. I can go about this one a couple of ways. I can name individuals or I can name the group. I think that's what I'm going to do. Like, I want you to name your favorite group and your favorite individual separately, okay? Who are your favorite NASCAR announcers ever? Oh, oh, okay. 
right off the top of my head, the greatest of all time, Alan Bestwick. I knew you liked him the most. Yes. I, as a group, will say my favorite was the old ESPN 90s crew mm. of Bob Jenkins, Benny Parsons, and Ned Jarrett. Oh, my goodness. That's I grew up on that, man. Man, that is rough. No, it is not. I grew up (laughs) on that. Benny was funny, like a good funny. I mean, he he was a good funny with like NBC. He wasn't like a goofy funny, like, like there are watchers. There are watchers like goofy funny, right? Right. Benny Parsons was not like that. He was a kind of a respectable uh, comedian in there. If you, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. And because he was with Alan Beswick for a while on NBC too. Yeah. I feel like Benny was one of the best color guys ever in the whole thing and bob jenkins was great play-by-play yeah ned jarrett he would pipe in uh some i don't know why it worked because i see ned jarrett isn't quite as polished as the other guys but it worked especially like go back to the 1993 daytona 500 and ned jarrett's calling that right dude it works i mean that wasn't the espn crew but ned jarrett being there it worked mm-hmm. yeah i see that who else you see uh, other than Alan Bestwick? Dale Jr. <laughs> I think Dale Jr. has has it. He has it down. Uh, Clint Boyer, Jeff Gordon. I would say Dale Jr. before all this Russ Chastain crap. Now I just think uh, he's biased. Oh, I don't know. If I had to put a three a three man dream team to call the Daytona 500, it'd be Alan Bestwick, Dale Jr., Clint Boyer. Mm, let me think. I had to pick somebody to call Daytona 500. It would probably be, I don't think it'd be the three that I said were my all-time favorite as a group. It would probably be mixtures of it, though. I could see, see, I like Larry Mack. I think he's a really good commentator. He has so much info. Bob Jenkins, Larry McReynolds, and then you got to have some, just do the ESPN thing and just take Ned Jarrett out of it. Just do Bob Jenkins, Benny Parsons, and Larry McReynolds. What an interesting broadcast that would be yeah that's just me personally and those are our questions and we went 45 minutes on them love those questions (laughs) they were pretty good i hate that uh we're not gonna be able to answer whatever gets dropped this week and probably next week next week but that just means we'll have a stockpile yeah and i hope they don't quit throwing questions out there just because it took us two weeks to answer this yeah but you know that's how it that's how it went this week. Just couldn't help it. Someone has to go to Disneyland. I know, Disney World. But yeah. World. Whatever. Scott went to Disneyland. So it goes to Disney World. Okay. It's literally the same thing. It's literally not anywhere near the same thing. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> is similar about the two. Nope. I'm I'm trying to work into a shoot. It's yeah. It's working. <laughs> I mean I, I mean I don't see the difference, but well, one's I California, mean, one's Florida. But they both have mouse ears on. Okay. That's about where the similarities end. <laughs> there's like a few rides that go back and forth, but there's a lot of rides that one park has that the other one don't. Mm, tell me about it. Do you really want me to? No. no I <laughs> oh, think my so. Lord. No. Have you finished Princess and the Frog yet? What? Have you finished Princess and the Frog yet? Dude, I forgot all about that. I told you Holy I'd give you a couple of weeks. It's been, what, three after this. Mm. <laughs> well, no, I have not. Well, while that. I'm at Disney World, which uh, <clears throat> I am, right? <clears throat> while I'm at Disney World, you can watch a Disney movie. Um, it ain't like we got a show to record. I, uh, <laughs> what movie? Princess and the Frog. Oh, dude. It's Cajun. Can I... Can I not? And just say I did. Content, man. We need content. <laughs> See, if you had watched it this week, we'd have another 20 minutes to talk about. Oh. But you should have just like told me that. But no. <laughs> oh, good lord. Hell, those Disney movies, man, they are rough. Um, but yeah, I can I, probably fit it in if you text me. I like Princess and the Frog. I like the uh the villain in it is outstanding. And I like something that's set in the South, and it doesn't just mock the South. It's actually it's actually paying uh, homage to the culture down here a little bit. 
I like that. Yeah. It ain't sure. my culture. That's Cajun culture. Cajun culture is weird. But still, you know. I like Cajun chicken. You ever had Popeye's blackened chicken? No, because I'm not brave enough. Oh, it's not spicy. I mean, well, Popeye's, oh, is, Popeyes has a little spice to it anyway. Last time I went, they didn't give me the option of mild or spicy, but one time they did. And I mm. they said they didn't have any mild, so all they had was spicy. And I got that spicy. Whew. Blackened chicken. We get that because it's keto. Oh. It's not breaded. It's um, like kind of marinated and, and grilled or whatever, whatever they did to it. It's outstanding. Mm. Really? It's one of the best fast food items ever to me like i would get that even if i wasn't trying to do low carb stuff kind of stuff you know yeah and it's worth a try they have to cook it fresh because they don't have it there so you might have to wait 10 minutes on it but it's fresh hmm. it's worth a try interesting i always like popeyes i was one of my favorite places before still one of my favorite places moving along here when you think of pocono what do you think of uh ken schrader i'm lost why do we think oh because the 49 <laughs> car yeah. The carrot top car uh, hitting the wall yes. wide open. Yeah. So random. Yeah. I, I think of carrot remember, top. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember it, it happened during commercial and my mom's such a mark for uh Ken Trader. <laughs> That's right. Oh, That's my right. Gosh. It's just insanely creepy. Uh, and then like we came back from a commercial break and all I remember seeing is Ken Trader facing backwards and this carrot top on his hood with his mouth open like he's like oh no <laughs> you know it was just perfect everything about it was perfect back when you had one eight hundred collect and ten ten yeah. three two one or three four five or whatever they were mm -hmm. kids so they won't yeah. know what the heck that is one eight hundred c o l l e c t <laughs> oh yeah that's cool um no that was just, I don't know that's every time I think of Pocono I always think of Ken Trader. Um, there's a couple of things that always pop out in my head. One of the first VHS tapes I got when I didn't have cable from my uh, grandparents was the 1991, one of them, the oh. 1991 Pocono race. Really? And it was one that was rain shortened. And I think Rusty Wallace wound up winning it, but oh, cool. it, uh, it had a, it had a pileup coming off of turn three and Richard Petty was involved with it. And, it wasn't like a nasty crash, but Richard Petty actually, you know, like when they hit just right uh, with the right front on somebody else's right front, it'll ramp the right front of the car up, kind of like Ross oh, Chastain yeah. did on Kyle Busch earlier this year. All right. No, I was just an example. What nothing. That was, hate, that was hurtful. It, well, I didn't like it either. <laughs> I mean, Chastain was involved with it. Of course, I'm not going to like it. I'm sure they, they actually showed that. You won't. Mm, okay. They actually <laughs> showed that clip. In this thing I watched of Chastain's recklessness. Well, what, maybe if he wasn't so reckless. What the heck is he supposed to do there? <laughs> when Kyle Busch just dropped down and he's broke and he's going that much slower than everybody else and Chastain makes a decision, Kyle Busch decides to make the exact same decision, there's nothing to Are do. You? I'm not blaming Kyle Busch, but it wasn't because <laughs> right, Ross right. Chastain was reckless. They threw that in there with the clip of him like wrecking everybody. <laughs> That's that's honestly it's I like you and I we see that as like they're really stretching that seriously, but, but it's kind of funny honestly. I'm I mean, if, I mean if, if if Ross Chastain wasn't so reckless, like you know Kyle would have been able to get back to pit road and <laughs> win the All Star race, but whatever Ross Chastain or just another victim. So uh huh, mm. recklessness. I am. So fed up with it, man. They they see anything they want to see, and they want to see Ross Chastain as a villain. Oh, so yeah. bad, so bad, brother. I've been on this crazy train for seventeen years now. I get it, <laughs> man. I'm gonna wear. I'm gonna buy everything I can, Ross Chastain, when I go to Talladega. I'm gonna wear every bit of it because he won the last race there. Yeah, he did. I am pulling yeah. so hard for Ross Chastain at Talladega. I, I did that one time. I wore uh, all my Kyle Busch stuff, and I got spit on. <laughs> I'm going to bring a watermelon on ice. Okay. Oh. In the parking lot, if he wins that race, I'm going to smash it, and we're going to have watermelon celebrate. Oh, my God. Hey, Randy, I'm not coming anymore. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> Count me out. <laughs> Talladega? You wouldn't, you wouldn't come to Talladega anyway. No, probably not. <laughs> you should, though. Talladega's fun. 
Oh, I want to so bad, but it's, man, that Daytona 500, like I, I promised a couple weeks ago, I, I'm going to the t- 2023 Daytona 500. Daytona is Daytona. No, you can't beat that. You can't, you can't mess with Daytona. Daytona is the Daytona 500. It is the, right. it is the thing. It is the race, but it ain't Talladega. Talladega is its own beast. You know what I mean? Right. It's just something, something different about that atmosphere at Talladega. It just, it's like Daytona is the Indy 500, so to speak. You know what I mean? It's like the prestigious yeah. race. Talladega is a bunch of rednecks, and it's a party. It's a blast. It's absolutely a blast. Yeah, I want to go. I want to go to Talladega. <laughs> Another thing that I think of with Pocono is we mentioned it sometime. I don't remember if it was this episode or the last episode, <laughs> but we've mentioned the Steve Park uh, Dale Jr. wreck. Mm-hmm. That that's what you remember from Pocono. You don't remember yeah. finishes, right? I, no, I, I take it back. I do remember two finishes, but it involved some kind of crashing. That's what you remember from Pocono because once in a blue moon, you have this crazy wreck like Elliot Sadler hitting the inside wall that the cameras didn't even pick up at the oh, most yeah. G forces ever recorded in the history of crashes. Yeah, right. And then you have Casey Kane like blowing over and mm-hmm. landing on the wall on the back straightaway. Yeah. You have random things like woodchucks and beavers and deer running across the racetrack. Sometimes. <laughs> not, not always. It's not like ever it's not like Frogger. You know? It's like that never I, I don't think that's ever happened since I've been alive. It has. It well, absolutely the fox, has. Well, the fox at what was that, Martinsville? I remember uh usually with Pocono it's practices that that happens at. Yeah. But I definitely remember beavers once across the racetrack and i remember deer running across the racetrack but like how long ago was that though not not before you were born deer yeah i don't like it's not like there were you know i don't want the listeners think that we're like racing in a forest well it is a forest (laughs) no it's not look at the overview of pocono speedway look at look at the the google image of pocono and tell me it's not, they're not, they didn't just put a racetrack in the middle of the forest. They absolutely did. No, they did. The whole back straight was nothing but trees. That is very true, it's, actually. It's but... they're right up on like Casey Kane mowed the bushes down when he got up there. He he knocked trees down, he knocked limbs off the trees when he got there. <laughs> That's very, very true. All that is actually very, very accurate. Um, but like, we're not like racing in an Amazon, not an Amazon. No, you know what it's I mean? the woodland critters area. It's not Amazon. There's no snakes or anacondas or alligators or nothing. No. Yeah, they I just, don't know. It, they run over woodchucks and beavers. And- <laughs> to be completely honest, I feel like Pocono would be one of the most boring racetracks to go to. Oh, it would. It so would. Goodness. I mean, the most fun about Pocono is the starts and the front straightaway going to turn one. Right. That's the most fun about it. Because that straightaway is longer than an air, airport runway. Yeah. And about 15, 20 cars wide. It's the longest straightaway in NASCAR. It's amazing. It yeah. absolutely is amazing. They get up to 202, 205 in the end of the corner. Yeah. And that's usually why there's massive wrecks in turn one. Uh, but then they have a lot of wrecks off the tunnel corner, which is turn two, but in the middle of the right. back straightaway. They have a lot of wrecks off of that corner because it's so tight. Right. Like the three wide that you get on the straightaway leading up to it has to funnel down to one wide. <laughs> the two wide is really? tricky. <laughs> Really, really fast, too. Yeah, fast and flat. So it really, really upsets the car when you go across there. And then turn three is a flat, wide, sweeping t- turn. It's completely different than all the rest of them. Turn one's like a high-banked, super-speedway corner. Yeah. And it's it is it's interesting when that is, at that aspect of it because no corners alike. And how do you set up a car? You have to set up your car for one corner, pretty much, because mm-hmm. you can't set them up for all three. And I guess the way to go would be set it up for turn three. So you can have that run off the corner on the long straightaway. Right. That's probably the better way to go. I I think that's what everybody does. Yeah. It's an interesting track, but for some reason, the racing itself doesn't usually lend itself. I don't know what I'm trying to say. For some reason, the racing itself is not as interesting as the track is. Right. I know exactly what you're, what you're saying. Two finishes come to mind when it comes to Pocono's greatest finishes. One is Jeremy Mayfield pulling up on the back of Dale Earnhardt 
and bumping mm-hmm. him out of the way to win when nobody did that. Yeah. I laughed. I laughed so hard. Um, I hate nothing ever came out of that. Nothing ever came out of it. Dale Earnhardt just kind of let it go. I was like, good for him. He just let it go. Yeah. I guess what he's going to do? Whine about it? Well, I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think when Mayfield won that Pocono race, they had the next week was an off week. Mm-hmm. It might have been. And then I think by the time, you know, two weeks come around, like Dale Earnhardt's over it, well, you know, because he realizes he's a legend <laughs> and Mayfield's not. So, well, on top of that, Earnhardt never gave an interview about it that was negative right and he, i don't remember him ever saying well yeah i mean he knocked me out of the way to win well you know, he never did that dale hart wasn't the kind of guy that did that right i mean if you if you raced him the way he raced you he's like well okay i don't know i i will give credit to dale hart for that he definitely was not a whiner about things right now he never was the other finish just happened last year wasn't it kyle larson led so much of that race oh yeah and blew a tire coming into the final corner yeah and who who won it? Won it Alex, Alex Bowman. Bowman, of course it was. Backed into Backed it. Backed into it, yeah. Back into another one. Yeah. Kyle Bush actually finished second in that race. And then the very <laughs> next day, Kyle Bush went out and won it. Back when they did the double headers. They did double headers for two years. I think yeah. it started with the COVID thing because they weren't yeah. traveling a lot. And they just figured, well, everybody's there. Just race two races here. They just kind of made up their own schedule as it went along in 2020. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was interesting. I liked the idea. If you're going to have to do two Pocono races, do them back to back. Get them out of the way. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah, I didn't have to waste two two weekends of my life on Pocono. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Okay, can, can you tell I really love this track? Yeah, I mean, no. Yeah, you hate it. You hate it. I'm not a big fan of it, but I'm trying to be optimistic. Um, you never man, know. It's tough. You never know. You can have a crazy moment again. Pocono's Pocono's a crazy moment track. That's true, but are you telling that to yourself or to me? Because I'm, either way, I don't feel like it's coming across very well. I'm, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I'm never excited when Pocono's next. Right. It's just it's not it's not exciting. But the Kyle Busch fan inside me is like, yeah, it's because Kyle Busch is really yeah. good at Pocono. So that's awesome. And, you know, I don't know how good Ross Chastain is at it. I feel like he'll be good at it, too. I feel like Ross Chastain in this one car would be pretty good at this track. Something oh yeah, something just fits it with him. I bet I bet he wins it. Yeah, probably. I, I bet he wins it as good as he's running right now. And something about this track, you don't run on top of somebody the whole race. I have a feeling that he could do it. Suarez could do it. Because this is a good road course type track, too. Because there's a lot of shifting involved and a lot of different corners and different different things you do with the car. It always seemed like people that were good at the road courses did really good at these tracks too. Right. At Pocono, I mean, not these tracks. It always felt that way. To me, it did anyway. Because like Rusty Wallace did really good at it and he was really good on road courses as well. You know, Mark Martin was pretty good at Pocono, I feel like. And I don't know if he ever, actually, I don't know if he ever won it, but something kind of connects with me with Pocono and Mark Martin for some reason. I don't know how much more we can talk about Pocono. Goodness gracious. (laughs) We're not going to make our picks because, uh, you know, we're, Gonna wait and do it on Twitter and Facebook. I will post that out when it comes time for that. And I think that's gonna wrap up episode fourteen, man. Yep. You got Sounds anything else you want to talk about? No, I don't. I don't think so. I'm. I think I'm good. You ready for bed? I am so ready for bed. Yes. <laughs> I noticed I was doing a lot more talking this episode. Yeah, you sure were because your boy was hanging on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Woo, doggy. This is called Dedication. I love this podcast. I am prideful of this podcast. I will sacrifice sleep, blood, sweat, tears, anything I need to to make this a success. So perfectly fine staying up this late. This is a twofer is what this is. This was a two-in-one-night recording. I hate that we don't have some updated stuff, but I think we had a a lot of good um, question talk and... (laughs) I, it, I think it worked out pretty good. Yeah, thank you so much for carrying me through this one because, <laughs> whew, my goodness. <laughs> so when we get out of here, we're going to throw it out to the uh, podcast drafting partners real quick. Uh, Fully Postal Wrestling Figure Podcast and Drunk Wrestling History. Both of those podcasts are excellent podcasts with, run by the same people. Scott from Fully Postal runs Drunk Wrestling or is part of Drunk Wrestling History. Great shows. Uh, doing the favor with Eric and Barry positively pro wrestling podcast lap traffic podcast is a newer NASCAR yes. podcast. I'm listening to with a lot of really good interviews. Um, I hope they catch us once in a while. And I, I hope that would be, it would be fun to actually start a, 
a newer group of friends out yeah. there. You know, like you have your wrestling community and your figure community. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. I like that. I love that a lot. And then maybe they're like a NASCAR community grows up. I'd yeah. like that a lot too. That would be what if we're like the Jeff and Scott of the NASCAR community and we just don't know it yet? <laughs> Crazy. We'll see. You know, we were called uh actually a pretty funny show. That, Actually, yeah. that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> uh, I heard that on Jeff and Scott's show, uh, Fully Puzzle. I love it. Jeff is like, Actually, it's a pretty funny show. Like, <laughs> well, there you go. I'm putting well, that on Twitter. <laughs> that's a stamp of approval, and I'll take it. Uh, on top of that, hearing so many people say we got them back in the NASCAR hearing them say we actually watched the race because of the show. I, I love that. I absolutely love it. It's the biggest compliment when somebody hears us and the passion we have for something and right. they have to go check it out for themselves. Yeah. Amazing. It's, oh my gosh. Like, I don't even know. Like every time I read something like that, man, it's like butterflies in, in the <laughs> stomach type thing. You know, it's like, I don't know. I just so unexpected undescribable and it's so much, just such a cool feeling. And it's, it's happened more than once. Yeah. So I, I, maybe we're doing something right. Maybe, maybe, maybe we maybe? are. Maybe we're maybe. halfway entertaining and easy to listen to. I don't oh, know. Oh, well, okay. Let's not get too ahead. <laughs> I said halfway. Well, I'm not I mean, bragging that, too even hard. That's, even that's a stretch, I think. Jason Wolf. I love his stuff. You yes. Know, his, his art, his uh, chop shop. I love all this stuff that he does. Really good guy. A good follow. And uh, Bing underscore Bane. He does our intro music, and he's got new music coming out pretty soon. I hear he's almost done. He might be done by the time this drops. I doubt it. But he, if he's not done now, he's almost done, and I can't wait to hear it. And he also runs Outsiders Beer Co., uh, OutsidersBeerCo.com, with really good beard products, uh, beard balm, uh, beard oils, and scented candles as well. And he's got some summer scents that I, I need to pick up. I need to pick up a summer scent. It's like a citrusy. Then mm -hmm. I need to get that because all I have right now is like tobacco, vanilla and pumpkin spice and this, you know, fall kind of stuff. Yeah. I need to get something citrusy. I should have got okay. it before Disney though, because citrus and Disney kind of go together. Yeah. I, I can't have a beard. So I, I'm, <laughs> that's why I kind of set this out, out, you know, but, uh, I love Bane, man. Are you done with yours? I am. Go for it. I, all right, I'm going to jump into mine, man. I love Bane. Check out his music as well on uh, any sort of platform that you can find music on, I believe. Uh, new album dropping. Well, it could have already dropped by now. Uh, I'm not quite sure when that's going to happen, but I'm super excited. He did say a couple weeks ago that uh, the, the rap album's done, and he only needs a couple more yeses on this uh, the other album and they're both released. So I'm really excited about that. Of course, check out his podcast that he does with Brian Breaker called Breaker and Bane's Power Hour. Super funny show. Those guys are such a good follow on, on Twitter as well. So uh, you know it's fake, right? Is where uh, Brian Breaker goes in-depth conversations uh, with pro wrestlers, referees, managers, fans, um, anyone that has pro wrestling ties. Uh, such a really, really awesome podcast that one is and then you have no no holds barred with bill benis and bane is also the co-host i guess if you're into that uh <laughs> bill benis of course the legend i saw uh some lurkings of mr benis on twitter hmm. did you see that mm -mm. no yes i he's alive and he's and doing well for himself so very excited about uh mr bill benis coming back uh, of course, Tales from the Estate with uh, Drew, Caitlin, and the boys. Um, love, 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 love that podcast. Love that family. Um, that's such a cool, like, they're such just cool people. And, like, I've never met them before. <laughs> I just feel like, like, listening to them on podcasts, like, I just feel like I've known them for, like, the last 12 years. Dude, we haven't even met. I know. I know. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> like... And, and same way with uh, Tim at a chair shot on Twitter. He also has another podcast uh, pulling up a chair uh, where he, he spotlights uh, anyone in the, who loves like uh, wrestling action figures and stuff. And it's just uh, such an awesome, awesome drafting partners to have. Tim had Adam bomb on once. 
I know. I don't even know who that is. And I know I sparked some interest with Breaker and Bane. They're like, what? How do you not know who that is? Yeah, how do you not know who Adam Baum is? I mean, I've heard of him. Um, Couldn't tell you any sort of significant moments. I got his his cello uh, retro in uh, a couple weeks ago. It's okay. It's not as good as I thought it was going to be. But maybe I should have just got Jason Wolf to make one instead. So we have shirts, man. Yes, shirts. We have three shirts up right now at watermaneuver.net. If you go to the website, you can click the top left tab in the and on the webpage and search by story. Click down to in the marbles, and there they are. One's called Allison, one's called Throwbacking, and one's called Throwback Weekend. Excellent yes. shirts, uh, designed by me personally. I hope you guys like them. I think they turned out really good. I know me and Ethan really do. We we like them. Yes. And great racetrack shirts. You'll get a lot of uh, comments and questions with them, as like I did. I when I wore my Allison shirt to the uh, SRX race, I got plenty of comments on it. So that was that was really cool. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at In the Marbles Pod. You can also find us on Facebook, and you can email the show In the Marbles Pod at gmail.com. And with that, man, you got anything you want to add? Peace, love, all the above. And we'll see you next time. Hopefully it wasn't a boring Pocono race in the marbles. <laughs>